Blog Talk Radio. Great joy and good afternoon, my friend. The Nepalese Meditation Bowl is chiming, centering your mind and delight on the art of the CEO. The show that brings you the most fascinating and the most helpful people in the business community from around our terrestrial orb. I am Bart Jackson, the Hieronymus Bosch of business, and today you are going to take a revealing peek in amongst the folks who really run and govern business, the boards of directors. And by your great good fortune, you will be guided in this upper echelon pilgrimage by Mr. Thomas Bakewell author of the definitive Claiming Your Place at the Boardroom Table, and himself member of countless boards and esteemed leader, scribe, and faculty of the National Association of Corporate Directors, and they prize him justifiably. So whether you are the director of a large tech university's uh, entrepreneurial center, striving to link academia's craft and knowledge with businesses' productive drive, like Jerry, uh, or you're the division president of a global shipping company, struggling with vast overdrive like Scott. Keep your chair a little closer. Join our feast of wisdom, on, which is all clipped up to make your career thrive and your ventures flourish. Thomas, I'm so glad that you could come back to the Art of the CEO show again and share your insights. My pleasure indeed, Bart. Thanks for the invite. Oh, Wonderful. You know, now, Tom, there has been a great drum beating of late uh, that there's not enough um, women and uh, adequate uh, minority representation on our corporate boards. Uh, and everyone sort of sits and nods in cautious agreement. And, but as I check the numbers, I'm really not noticing a substantial shift uh, in the demographic makeup, certainly in the, in the global and national boards at the higher levels. Am I, am I missing it? Uh, you're pretty close to being spot on. Uh, the topic is a very hot topic in terms of diversity, and of course you always have to devi- define what you mean about diversity. But it's a hot topic not only in terms of very uh, current interest, it's also hot in terms of being uh, hot to touch in terms of controversy. So you're a brave soul <laughs> to go down that path, but your specific question is, has there been movement? And the answer is there's been some slow and steady movement, and I think uh, you're uh, spot on in terms of catching trends. Personally, uh, I'll share where I really think it's going in our talk today. Okay. Well, and just from my own point, taking the devil's advocate uh, position on this, this whole boardroom diversity push is, as far as I see, it's all window dressing, and frankly, Scarlett, who needs it? I mean, we have a company to run here. We've got real problems to be solved, and we need, uh, say, a marketing director, and we need a Chinese specialist. We need a veteran operations person, and that, now that's what I call useful diversity. So I don't give a hoot about what gender or color. Just give me expertise, my friend. Uh, is that really what's needed? Well, that's uh, you're putting me on the spot, and that's the, uh, the part of the heat of the debate. Uh, the question mm. in the long run is, and in the short run, is uh, what uh, what uh, type of diversity are you looking for, and what mm. value does it really bring? And uh, you know, there's uh, two uh, broad approaches uh, that are going on in the world today on this particular topic. You've got some places where quotas or a more polite term mandates are uh, uh, directing and dictating what the um, uh, diversity of the boardroom will be. And then you've got the softer approach uh, where uh, there's simply requirements for disclaimers 
of why you're uh, having a type of diversity in the boardroom and what your diversity is. That's the approach in the U.S. I think uh, it's an important topic, and let's get down to it. Okay. Um, well, so that's it. You've had a, a, shall we say, a brief aperitif of today's Feast of Wisdom. So in fulfilling my duties as proper host, before you enticingly has laid a few utensils for today's feast. And the first utensil, as I always do, allow me to remind each of you hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself. And since that's the most important uh, position you'll really ever hold in your career, uh, allow me to ask, will this be the day that you assess those people who are influencing your personal decisions, that private mental board of governors, and perhaps it's time to fire one or two of those who are influencing you in ways that are no longer beneficial? Or will you allow voices from the past to set up how you act? The choice is truly yours, my friend. As a second utensil, I think you need to steep your lips into a little laughter. So let's take a scriptural recitation from the 102 Best Business Quips book. So let me pull it out here. And I'm playing through. Oh, okay. Here's one. Here's one. The trouble with my board is that they insist on paying me only what I'm worth. And no one can live on that. <laughs> and as an afterthought, no. Workplace salary almost never reflects anyone's actual value. So rather than comparing your wage to another's, why not labor to justifiably earn your personal pride? And if you're making that kind of contribution, the odds are pretty darn excellent that your salary will follow. And if you smirked a bit over that quip, we have them literally by the books full. Just visit bartsbooks.com, that's B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S.com, and pick up your copy of 102 Best Business Quips, and you will have a quiverful of clever-tongued ideas to make you the green-eyed envy of the chain gang at work. And as a third utensil, uh, perhaps I should appropriately entitle this the cream skimming spoon, we proffer you the answer to last week's business quotation. So, and that is the name of the author who noted, The dictionary is the only place where success comes before work. <laughs> Love it. Uh, those were was spoken by none other than the nails tough football coach. The winning is the only thing, Mr. Vince Lombardi. And later, blurting your way, will come another enriching quotation. Uh, and if you are among the learned souls who knows the author, simply scribble that sage's name down as you believe him or to be, and email it right off to info at bartsbooks.com. That's I-N-F-O at B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S.com. And if you are correct, your knowledge will earn you a marvelous gift freshly disemboweled from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. So, with utensils in hand, return with me to the well-paneled boardroom where the strain of vital decisions hovers in the air and learn uh, the changing roles of directors from Mr. Thomas Bakewell. Tom, just you, you mentioned one thing, and I, I will put it to rest after this. That what is your thought on the value of boardroom gender quotas, which started in Portugal, Spain, now moved to Germany, a lot of, a lot of countries? What's your thought on that? Well, uh, the value, uh, what I would say, Bart, is it, it's a fact. There are a number of European countries today, uh, again, it started in Norway, where I would note most of these are very small countries, where they have mandated that you will have 50% uh, uh, gender diversity on the board. Uh, some right. people would tell you it's the best thing that's ever happened. There's some uh, uh, books being written now and articles 
and they're saying uh, with the women in the boardroom, uh, you're getting more rigorous debate, you're getting better um, uh, uh, monitoring, you're getting better risk assessment. Uh, it's hard to prove that. Uh, here's what I say. Uh, uh, it's a pendulum, and I certainly am a believer in strong diversity. The fundamental question is, uh, to me, it's broader than that. Diversity is not just gender. It's age, it's race, it's sexual identity, it's experience, it's wealth, it's all kinds of other things. So the question really becomes a strategic one. What diversity do you need? But very clearly, uh, from the European model for Canada and a few other places, there's absolutely this approach where mandates or quotas, that's the downside. Is it a good thing or not? And what are the results? And we're just starting to see uh, that uh, come about. Uh, I like to view it from a more demographic point of view. Uh, you know, if you want to bring it home to the U.S. here, what are the demographics of uh, our population today? Well, it's different than 50 years ago, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, and 10 True. years ago. So the question is, what diversity do you need in the boardroom to best serve your company and your clients? That's the question that I always focus on. I I think you're right, and just one more thing: Do you, do you think it uh, we will see quotas in the U.S. if you were to take a, a gauge your crystal ball? You know, uh, not anytime soon. I think there'll be a big push for it. I think I think we are near a watershed moment again. I think you're on a cutting edge here, Bart, and I think you're going to see a very substantial shift in diversity. But I think it's going to become uh, come from some dynamics that are already taking place. The boardroom has been aging. There's been a lot of pressure for a long time to change. Uh, and I think uh, as much as uh, we baby boomers have fought to retire, et cetera, I think <laughs> we will start moving into some different roles. I heard that chuckle, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not, reti- I'm not uh, retiring yes, anytime yes. soon. I don't know about you. I'm just getting good. <laughs> oh, my, my wife uh, uh, sharpens all the tree stumps on our property, so I can't sit down. So I, I'm going to be working for a long time. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, if, Likewise. So. Uh, now, uh, so I do, I do your look book, for uh, claim- Go ahead, please. No, I was just going to say, uh, your, your book, Claiming the uh, uh, your place at the boardroom table. It's it's it really is uh, has been named justifiably one of the definitive volumes on effective board governance, and I know that uh, the National Association of Corporate Directors invites only the most uh, expert souls under their leadership. But could you tell us uh, what for Tom Bakewell? What is so fascinating? What what holds the fascination of the boardroom and its directors for you and for well, us? Sure. Uh, you're nice to ask. Very early in my career, I had the privilege of sitting on a lot of boards. I had a, um, uh, a, a pretty prestigious, uh, a large company corporate background at a young age in the healthcare industry. And because of that, I got invited at a very young age, tender age, to sit on a lot of not-for-profit boards, which is most where most people start their governance experience. And I found myself in one of those situations where there were a lot of challenges in those organizations. Some of them were, you know, uh, failing. Some of them were having uh, what's called uh, going concern opinions from their auditors. They were in trouble. And so when I looked to become a change agent to help those uh, organizations get better, those not-for-profits particularly, what I really learned was that if it wasn't working at the top, Part, it wasn't working anywhere else most of the time. So I became fascinated with um, 
how do you have a, a wholesome and effective uh, composition of a board in the boardroom? And what I learned was that's usually the best approach to enhancing an organization is getting to work at the top. And the top is the CEO suite, the, uh, the executive suite, and the boardroom. If you have a private company, then that's the owners as well, and, of course, owners and public companies too. That's, that's absolutely true. It's uh, Everything really does come from the top, not just the trouble, yes, as you've said, but uh, benefits and new policies, uh, ethics, everything really does come down from the board. And the top talent go to, go to the leaderships that hold those qualities they want. Um, if you've just joined us, you're listening to The Art of the CEO, which every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time streams magically through the profoundly misunderstood realms of cyberspace. We may listen and download it by visiting blogtalkradio.com slash the art of the CEO. <laughs> okay, that's blogtalkradio.com slash the art of the CEO. And, Tom, what about... Uh, some of the the new ro- roles in the board. Um, I, I, I know that the, the traditional governance uh, duties still abound, but uh, has the job description changed for a board member in the past, say, five years? It's changed uh, dramatically. There's been a revolution in the boardroom in the last decade in a number of ways. Uh, that's mm-hmm. required the number of hours to go way up, the uh, requirements for directors to go way up. Uh, you know, the comfortable, uh, you know, rarefied air of uh, you show up for my board meeting and I'll show up for yours, I scratch your back, you scratch mine, et cetera. Those things are gone. Uh, and and right. the talent needs uh, have gone way up. Uh, and this is part of what's uh, bringing uh, uh, diversity along. Look, just in the last uh, few years, we've had uh, major, major companies like a Walmart or a Starbucks. They're bringing people into their boardrooms today who are in their 30s and 40s. They have cyber talent. They have uh, branding talent. They have, um, uh, you know, talent with things like Facebook and, and uh, you know, social media that uh, the people who are, you know, a little further down the road in age may not have those skill sets. So you yep. do have some very substantial changes going on. You have changes going into makeup, but I think the point you were uh, looking to is there's changes in the requirements and the demands. It It is heavily demanding work to be a board member today. Well, now I know that, uh, things that, that some boards are uh, even, while they're being more diverse in skill sets, they're demanding uh, – the, the uh, potential can- member candidates take a financial skills tra- test. Is that right? Well, one of the requirements that came out of uh, Sarbanes-Oxley, which was interesting, was that uh, the audit committee, especially of public companies, and many of the other governance models follow public companies, private, not-for-profit, et cetera, requiring that uh, you have on your audit committee at least uh, the majority be uh, both independent and financial experts. Now, there's actually even vagueness in terms of the definition of being a financial expert, but it, uh, it's a pretty high standard to be uh, named and claimed as a financial expert. So, yes, that's correct. Well, speaking from Sarbanes-Oxley onward, uh there have been newly mandated uh, not just board skills but board positions. So the, the, uh, 
qualified financial advisor and and uh, such such positions have uh, have this has this changed procedures? Uh, I know you, you said it sort of made, it changes skills, but does it, has it changed the procedures or or uh, even the makeup of the board? Is are we leading rather from specialists back to, to more financial or what? Well, uh, so it, there used to be a question, you know, if you were looking for uh, particular skills on a board, you know, you wanted integrity, you wanted this, you wanted that. One of them was always whether you know a person should even be on a board if they don't have financial literacy. I certainly don't believe every board member needs to be financially literate. I, I personally, I wouldn't go on a board without being financially literate. But the, you know, the reality is that's certainly not required to be a board member. Uh, but there are a, a much higher standards of requirements today. One of the key requirements, Bart, as you know, was independence, especially in public companies. The vast majority of board members are supposed to be independent. What that prompted a dramatic change on the financial side of the house. It, look, let's talk plain. It used to be uh, most of the time that auditors uh, worked for management. With the Sarbanes-Oxley right. changes and the requirement that the majority of all directors be independent, and in fact, on the, most of uh, the stock exchanges today, all the audit committees have to be exclusively independent directors, none of the management on the board. Mm-hmm and most of those directors have to be financial experts, that has changed the dynamics so that the auditors truly work for the uh, audit committee of the board of directors and not management. That's caused profound change, yes. Yeah, oh, I would think so. I mean, the the idea of the the aging posse of duffers who have – become good friends you you go to my board i'll go to yours sort of thing as you yeah, said absolutely. uh yeah. that that's 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 long gone right now there's been, there's been one other change that's dramatic uh in my mind you know if i could tick off four or five mm-hmm. things in the past decade other sure. independence it's the second one i would say has been again the requirement on the stock exchanges coming out of sarbanes-oxley is board evaluations now, some people uh, are taking this on a low-key approach. Some people are saying, well, we'll just use a check-the-box approach. But what you, uh-huh. you find, if you think this through, Bart, and you tie this to the topic that you put your finger on here of diversity in the boardroom, what you find right. is when you start doing this is the other thing that's going to clear out the boardroom in many ways. Uh, you know, the board evaluations in some places actually individual director evaluations on an annual basis. The amount of work being done on board evaluations is going up dramatically, and it's the best way to find out if you have the talent you need or don't have the talent you need. The other comment I would make, just the practical reality of governance, it's not always about what the board member needs. It's about what does the board and the company need. So do you have the right skill set and mix of talent? I know a number of high-profile, really talented directors, women directors and minority directors, who are literally standing down on a board because their skill set, the company's going in a different direction, or they're rotating off. I have a, a friend who started at a very young age in her 30s, and she's a very prominent director, and she's uh, been on two boards now where she's turned out. You know, She laughs about it, and she's gone on to other high-profile boards. But uh, she got an early start, and she's being termed out. So there have been this change, and the real question is, the fundamental question, as you talked about, strategy and talent, 
So what's it take to get your board composition just right? Board evaluations are helping I say, with that. I, Absolutely. I do want to get continue with this idea of specialty, uh, specialty board members and talent. But uh, before we go uh, and take a little break here, how how could people get a hold of Tom Bakewell for uh, consultation, and how can they get a hold of a copy of your book? Well, that's easy on both counts. ThomasBakewell.com. I have a website, like most people in the world today. That's my uh, in the uh, in the in the air uh, business card, thomasbakewell.com, and the book is available mm-hmm. at Amazon. It's uh, Thomas Bakewell, and uh, it's uh, claiming your place at the boardroom table. That's the nice uh, top line, but it's really about effective governance, as you've indicated, and uh, it's easily available. And, uh, of course, I have a phone number as well, 314-960-2326. Okay, and you may also get a hold of that copy of the book on our own uh, PrometheusBartsBooks.com. Uh, it's in our bookstore, uh, which shows yes. that uh, <clears throat> shows our own personal wisdom. And speaking of that, I think it is time for us to take a, a brief sorbet from this wise feast and allow me to introduce to you the company by whose good graces we are here today, and that's Prometheus Publishing, which is the creator of, among several other divisions, Bart's Books Ultimate Business Guides, on which <clears throat> uh, you may find Tom's book. And also, you may want to take a look at another book called Crucial Conversations, uh, put together by four people, Carrie Patterson, Joseph Grenny, Ron McMillan, and Al Schweitzler. The, it, it's one of these guides that grasps the, oh, I don't know, the inmost source of Homo sapiens communication. It gets down to the heart, the gut, and the mind. And so rather than sort of reciting one more lengthy litany of communication do's and don'ts and so forth, the authors sort of get to the get to people, how they work, and they sort of gently unsnarl the Gordian mind chatter that runs through most of us before we converse. And I, I'm sure you'll find your own familiar footsteps trotting down some of the flawed paths, but you'll also find yourself gently lifted to some of the more effective communicative avenues, and you'll find a few aha moments. So... Read it for fun. Read it for personal profit at BartsBooks.com. And speaking of um, aha moments, why don't you leave her open your well-honed minds and memories uh, as Tom Bakewell continues to bash a few myths and reveal some of the truths for corporate governance and in a changing world. Uh, I, I'm hearing more... Um, about uh, specialty members, just in my own experience, and you had talked about getting the board balanced just right. Um, so, I, I, and I know that some of these these people, like they, uh, I'm moving into the Pacific Rim, so we need a Pacific Rim trade specialist or a, a growth partnering person. Is uh, is this a trend that's going to make? Uh, board stays shorter and, and sort of change the makeup of, of a board itself, do you think? I think it will indeed, and it gets back to the issue of how do you define diversity and what is diversity. Uh, I've mm-hmm. been involved in a couple board searches in the last month where it was uh, the priority was do we need uh, South America uh, and, and a person you know fluent in the language. Uh, one was a company in Puerto Rico and a very strong public company that connects us to Puerto Rico. And do we do we need people 
who know, know the island? Do we need people who know the language? Do we need people who know the financial uh, metrics, et cetera? So, so it's a very important question. Let me go down another path for a moment, if you don't mind. Is sure. That okay. I'd love One to hear. One of the things when it comes when it comes to diversity, it it can be a hot button issue, but you have to think deeply and carefully about it. I was working with a very prominent private company recently, and we're talking billions in revenue. That has had a remarkable history of governance. In fact, what's remarkable about it is they've had a truly independent board, even though it's privately owned. They've had a truly independent board for 25 years. There are leaders in this area. But but they had a mindset. Here's what their mindset was. Their mindset was we only have people on board who have been CEOs. Well, if you think through that, what that cost was, a, a, a whole large group of talented women and minorities who weren't mm-hmm. making it onto their screen. And in some of these areas like cybersecurity, international experience, uh, language skills, etc., people they really needed, they weren't, they weren't getting a serious look. If you look at some of the major corporations today, they have recently added people like a cybersecurity, like a, a social media expert. They're going down to the vice chairman or the vice president level of major companies to get young people because they simply haven't had the length of experience to become the CEO yet. So they had an right. assumption and a presumption, and I think uh, myself and uh, uh, frankly, it was a group of women that was presenting to this board uh, uh, helped persuade them that they might change their thinking about not only having CEOs. Uh, you know, a similar conversation has gone on in the past, which I think we've gotten beyond, is there are some beliefs, some circles in, uh, you know, in some boardrooms where you know, only wealthy people should be on these kinds of boards. You know, the, you know, and I won't break down the thinking on that, but I, I just don't think that's valid anymore. So, no, I, I think obviously you want expertise. Well, I, I do feel that uh, in some case you want there is a certain level of success. My old quip is that uh, a financial planner, for instance, is someone who uh, himself has no money, but he believes if you give him your money, uh, you can both be very rich. So I, I, I kind of understand. I, I, I understand the reasoning. But you were talking about CEOs, and this is something I've seen more and more of. And I'm curious. I see more. Uh, uh, I, I don't know if it's a trend, but I see a lot of this uniting of CEO and board chair. Is right. uh, Do you think that's healthy? Well, that's one of the dramatic shifts that has come about uh, also, again, from Sarbanes-Oxley and in the last decade in terms of this dramatic shift in the boardroom has been the concept of lead directors and splitting the chair and the CEO. There's been some very public battles about it. Uh, It is changing dramatically, and it's like everything else. It's a tool, and how is the tool used? Uh, For every uh, chair, combined chair, CEO, you show me, I can show you an example of a story of where it's probably worked better when it was divided. You know, you had the Tyco story, the ugly side of the story some years ago when one person was in charge of everything. The company blew up, uh and they brought in in, uh, a new talented team. Well, the first thing they did was split out the chair role and the CEO role. And the first thing those two happened to be men, men did, and their first engagement was to sit down and spend a full day, you know, negotiating out and lining out who's going to do what. 
you know. So yeah, uh, it's yeah. definitely a trend. Uh, I think there are some circumstances. So, for example, in the not-for-profit world, you know, I think it's uh, almost, uh, you know, um, you know, uh, a fatal flaw not to have an independent chair. You know, it's very rare to have a combined chair and CEO in a not-for-profit world, but you do see it sometimes, particularly in founder-owned charities. I think you need independence. Uh, I think the division is good. Uh, you know, uh, the market voted on it in terms of J.P. Morgan and Jimmy, uh, you know, Diamond, uh, you know, uh, the mm-hmm, chair right, CEO, yeah. and they were uh, perfectly happy with the results, and uh, it went to a public vote, and he, it voted to stay. So, so there you have it. Obviously, he's got a model that's working uh, well for them, and and uh, certainly a talented, successful executive. So, but it I, is I a know. current trend, no question. I, I know two people, uh, Ralph Izzo, who's uh, CEO chair of, of uh, PSAG, the utility, and Pepco Holdings, uh, Joe Rigby. But, you, you know, it, it, it seems to me as if they're real different skills. I was very interested that the uh, National Association of Corporate Directors, uh, in their survey, the, the directors themselves ranked uh, fiscal knowledge as seven and civility and cooperation as number three. And I'm not sure that the skills to be a top CEO necessarily jibe with the skills of being a board chair. Uh, And... I, I, I would think so. If I said I would, a lot of people think of you know being on the board is is the pinnacle. Um, what what would your advice be to that CEO or C-suite soul seeking to to uh, find a, a a board seat? Is doesn't he have to look at his own qualifications, his own skills and comfort level in a certain in a different way? Well, you're going to the point of uh, what skills and talents do you need to be a chair and a CEO. Uh, the, the, the reality is most serving CEOs are a, a hot commodity and can be sought for, uh, are actively sought for board positions so they don't have to chase too much. But re- the reality is uh, uh, what kind of board uh, member are you going to make? What you do find is, uh, and again, uh, you've got several things going on. First of all, being a CEO, just like being a board member today, is so so busy and so fraught with time, whereas you used to have board members and CEO, a CEO on several boards. Most boards today limit their CEO to one other board, if even that. Uh, so you're having that pool shrink. And then the reality is uh, the skill sets that make someone a great CEO and leader sometimes aren't the magical skill set, or you know, i.e., a dominant personality, a driving personality, maybe, maybe not, maybe a great listener, whatever. They aren't always the skill sets that make you a great board member. And what you find in the boardroom, the best boards uh, are uh, the boards where they have a natural leader emerge. And normally, and many times, it's not just the CEO. Many times, it's somebody mm-hmm. in the room who's very quiet, doesn't speak very much, but has a great talent for making sure everybody gets heard, uh, asking great questions that draw people out, etc. So it's um, you know uh, it's always a it's, it's always part of that uh, ephemeral and uh, that uh, magic mix that you talk about in terms of bringing the talent together and putting it all together right. So you are seeing uh, changes in this. You're seeing fewer and fewer boards that are composed exclusively of, of CEOs. Right. 
you remind me of a of a saying of a quote from Genghis Khan, or actually from Kublai Khan, his grandson. He said, "It you can conquer an empire from a horse, like my grandfather, but you to rule it, you have to get off the horse." And yeah. uh, I am just thinking, uh, I perhaps off a bit, but at any rate, uh, and speaking of ruling and um, achieving great things. Tom, thank you so much for coming on the show and enlightening us all about leadership and 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 how uh, governance uh, is should really be run. And I'm, I certainly hope I'll be will be able to seduce you back on again. But we're we're rolling out to the end. And I, again, I just thank you so much for taking the time. Happy to do it. It's a great topic. It's an important topic. Diversity is vitally important to the future of every board, and it's frankly part of your strategy. And you have to ask yourself, what type of diversity do we truly need, and are we there? Keep working it, and thanks for the privilege to be with you today, Bart. Well, thank you, Tom. And so as we round out today's feast, I allow me to remind you that I am Bart Jackson, your curator of business wisdom, leaving you with today's business quotation. Who said... If you wish a general to be beaten, send him a, a real huge mound of uh, folder full of instructions. If you wish a general to succeed, give him a destination and bid him conquer. Now, this wise white coat is truly as obscure as it is appropriate, so I'm going to give you a very broad hint. It comes from a book by two brothers with the first names, appropriately, of Augustus and Julius. So if you know their four-letter last names, you will win the prize. And that prize will be a marvelous uh, item that will change your entire career sent to you from Bart's Books Bookstore. So if you know the answer, just write info at bartsbooks.com. That's I-N-F-O at B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S.com. And as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, Success is a summit whose last few steps you may pridefully swagger up to with all the media praising and depicting, provided, of course, you have all alone made the the really hard, hands-bleeding scrabble up from the valley so far below. And to you gleefully sharing our feast, I hope you've enjoyed the art of the CEO as much as Tom and I have enjoyed bringing it to you. And remember, you may download this and all our shows at blogtalkradio.com slash the art of the CEO. And finally to you who have honored us with your time, may I say as always, it has been a privilege. I thank you. <laughs>